Archbishop, it's good to be with you again. Thank you. Good to be with you as well. We are for the uh, last 2020 installment of the Shepherd's Voice podcast. I'm sure you're excited to be <laughs> putting this one in the can. Yeah, we're um, are in the season where we celebrate the, the Lord coming to be with us in time. You know, so we we uh, realize that, that if we're going to be saved, if we're going to meet the Lord, it's going to be in the time we're in. It's not going to be some other time. So it's 2020 has been an unusual year, but not a year without the Lord's presence or the Lord's grace. Amen. Yeah. Well, we're here in the you know, latter part of Advent, getting ready for the big feast of Christmas. Um, you've mentioned recently that you, and you've mentioned this a few times, but uh, at least in passing to those of us here in the Curia, uh, that you love the liturgy of Christmas, uh, but you're not a huge fan of the trappings of the season. And I think you, I think you described your favorite character as Scrooge, perhaps. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm a little bit of a Scrooge, uh, and which doesn't mean that I want to spoil it for everybody else. But, um, <laughs> but I really do. Um, I think it's part, partly the way that I've been raised, and then of course my formation for my vocation in living it in, in, in later years. I do love the beauty of both the Advent and Christmas seasons, and love to meditate on the, the promises of God to save us, and then the reality of of salvation in, in Jesus Christ. A lot of the other hoopla for Christmas I can do without. <laughs> I'm sure, a lot of us. To be yeah, honest, yeah, a lot, a lot of us are in the same boat. I think. <laughs> I, mean, I like the cookies, I like right. Christmas cookies, but I don't. <laughs> Just help bring cookies, okay? Uh, <laughs> if you could maybe walk us through that a little bit, you know, just give us a kind of a thumbnail sketch. Uh, what was that? Because a lot of us, when we were talking before we hit record today, um, have had that experience of maybe uh, having a deeper understanding of what Advent and Christmas offer us as. As followers of Jesus, you know, that maybe happened as we were uh, maturing, we hit adulthood, things shift a little bit, they're not, it's not so much about the gifts I'm going to get, um, nor even the gifts I'm going to give, but there's, there's an opportunity here to really uh, receive something from Christ, you know, that, okay, so that happens differently for different people, but mm -hmm. when and how did that kind of tra transition happen for you? Is it similar that... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm old enough now, so I grew up, I was a little kid in a time that wasn't quite so materialistic or even prosperous. We weren't poor, but, you know, we, we weren't um, uh, flush it, uh, with, with all kinds of material things. And my parents didn't um, lead us to expect that that uh, it was good for us to have, have have everything that we wanted or have, have all kinds of material things. We had beautiful Christmas celebrations, have fond memories of, of them, but, but um, we, we, it was a... Catholic home certainly, and and uh, so it it was all sort of undergirded and laced with a, a, an understanding of, of of the faith. So my mom was pretty strict about Advent. You know, we had an Advent wreath and Advent calendars, uh, Advent prayers, but there was no, you know not a lot of Christmas at home uh, before Christmas Eve. You, you might say we didn't put up our tree till Christmas Eve, and mm -hmm. and so we were. Uh, especially as as kids, very excited about Christmas coming, and it's in the air, uh, and uh, the expectation that, that you know there would be celebration and gifts and food and all of that all that sort of thing, and so we do, we weren't deprived of that in, in in any way. But I'm really grateful that that there was a uh, an effort and a successful effort, I think, to teach us what we were really celebrating, and to be focused um, on the liturgy, both of the Advent season and the uh, and Christmas itself. So what does your celebration look like now? I mean, as you mark, obviously you celebrate Mass for usually a lot of people being physically present uh, in most years, but... Yeah, so this year the celebration will be somewhat muted. 
I, in the past several years, I've tried to go some to a parish for a vigil mass mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve, and then I celebrate midnight mass at St. Cecilia's Cathedral, uh, which is always beautiful. Uh, last year, I was uh, had begun to uh, take on some responsibilities in Lincoln, so I, I um, celebrated a vigil mass at the cathedral in Lincoln, and then uh, the um, midnight mass at, uh, here at, at St. Cecilia's. Some years, depending on how it works out, I, I, I have celebrated mass in one of the prisons on Christmas Day. It's not always possible. It's not possible this year. So, so this year, really, there'll be a, a celebration of, of the midnight uh, mass, which will be at midnight. That's uh, our tradition here, here at St. Cecilia's, and we'll live stream it. I think maybe record it so people can, can mm-hmm. look, at it, um, look at it the next day. So the, uh, that's probably, that'll be my my big celebration of Christmas. Again, I love to, to celebrate the liturgical part of it. And otherwise, it'll be pretty quiet, I think. Yeah. Silent night, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we mentioned at the top of the uh, the show the time right now where everybody's going to be doing this, probably. You know, people have been doing this for the last several months, actually reflecting on the whole year as though it's already done. Uh, you mentioned 2020 being a, an unusual an unusual year, an unusually challenging year in many respects. Um, a lot of upheaval. Again, we've talked about it several times on this podcast. We don't need to rehash everything, but um, you know, we've and I think we've touched on this at, at other times. But as I was uh, preparing for this, I was thinking of it in that in that the way that Advent and uh, celebrating the coming of the Lord first, as you've mentioned, His first coming. It also points to His second coming, uh, Advent. And reflecting on the the calendar year that has been, uh, both give us this sort of apocalyptic sense, right? <laughs> not to be too too dire, or it's not supposed to be a dark thing, but uh, the word apocalypse means revelation, revealed. And um, so, rather than do a you know an entire retrospective, because those can be you know tiresome for people, they'll have plenty of those, I think, elsewhere and top ten lists and all that sort of thing. Um, but what do you what do you think has been revealed? This year, as as you look at you know, it's on you the the challenges and how strange the pandemic has made a lot of things. Like, what has been revealed to you? Not surprisingly, I would uh, say it's been a mixture of both good and bad that, that that's been revealed. I think our own weakness and sinfulness has been uh, revealed maybe a little more sharply, um, collectively and individually, and then the the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the presence of of Jesus, the value of our life in him, the value of the sacraments, uh, the value of the, of the Eucharist in particular. As we have experienced both uh, deprivation and then the opportunity to participate in, in our faith in a more active and, and public way uh, during this year, I think we, you know, we've seen some of, some of all of those, all of those things. I've been a little disappointed, frankly, in the, the, the reluctance of, uh, a number of us, and I have to hold myself somewhat responsible too, uh, to to be be able to shift more uh, quickly and more generously from a, a sense of what's what what's going on for me to think about the common good, and I think we've really struggled with that as a country, and I would say even within the church too, to think about what what extraordinary thing perhaps is being asked of of each of us and then all of us together right now to care for our neighbor. To care especially for those who are vulnerable, to you know, to, to listen thoughtfully to the advice that's being given to us by health experts and and people who have 
responsibility for good order in society, the, the governor, for example, others, and to um, take a position pretty quickly, how can, we, how can I cooperate? How, how can I contribute to this? Uh, I think we've witnessed a fair amount of resistance, which I um, uh, haven't found edifying, to, to, to be real honest. And, and um, again, not to judge anybody or, or, or criticize anybody else. We're kind of asking, we're talking about here, what did we see? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and um, so, so I don't know. I, I, you said you're not anxious to do a retrospective right now, I'm, and I'm not either. But I am looking forward to once this year is over and once some of the uh, more severe effects of the pandemic have abated, I think it will be good for us to look back mm-hmm. and, and to think prayerfully, um, soberly about what did we experience? What did we experience in ourselves? Where, where, where did I, where, where can I say that I was sort of up to the challenge or I rose to it? Where was I defensive or, or selfish or, or self-protective in a way that wasn't really good for me or, or, or good, good for other people? We're kind of in the midst of it now. It's still hard to sort that out. Uh, because it was uh, such an unusually charged election year and politics seemed to leach into everything or burst into everything, however you would uh, uh, describe it. It, it was part of, uh, it, it complicated and flavored the response mm-hmm. of all of us to the, to the pandemic too, I think. Mm-hmm. So those are, I mean, that's all kind of on the, on the human level. Um, but we're um, invited not to live only on the human level. To, to, to allow the supernatural gifts of, of God, the gifts of his grace, the, the power of the coming of Jesus into our midst, our, his invitation to us and, and our response. We're really invited to have, have those be the predominant themes or tools that, that we use to, to shape our, our response, our actions, our choices, even in difficult times. Maybe we would say especially in difficult times. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that was, you know, again, anticipating this this next question about people are looking ahead to another restart of sorts, and and as you said, on a human level, that's why I was reluctant to do the uh, pure retrospective because mm-hmm. it can be, thank God that's over, and <laughs> so just stuff happened to me. But but rather, what you're saying to really uh, look at it, what what discern it, what happened, what was the movement interiorly, uh, internally in my heart and soul, faced with these challenges. Uh, I think that's a really a great um, uh, point there. And then and then you said that you mentioned the tools uh, in quotes were given of Christ Himself. But how do you could you could you speak into a little more? How do you see our path forward as we as we head into not just you know post pandemic, but uh, how do we start again to take steps forward in, in faith? Sure. I, I think that the, um, what we want to avoid is to, uh, to think that, that we go forward by saying we're anxious to get back to where we were. That's not forward. <laughs> and in some ways, it would be as, as to say uh, God has uh, given us a wasted year, that, that this uh, year 2020 has been no good for us, and that I haven't grown, I haven't had, had the opportunity to, to grow. And so I'm just anxious to sort of toss it, crumple it up and toss it out and, and kind of go back to, back to where we were. Well, it's not possible to go back to, to where we were. And it's, we would say, as we study salvation history, it's not good for us to, to, to want to go back. I remember talking with you, reflecting with you back last spring, I think when we were already anxious to 
you know, be out from the shackles of the pandemic and <laughs> no. how can we go back to where we were to uh, remember the Israelites in, in the desert having been freed from, from slavery after they're out of, of Egypt, suddenly somewhat disoriented, mm-hmm. uh, losing confidence in God and in the plan of God to bring them to someplace good. And they, they just wanted to go back uh, to, to what they had. So just, that's never um, uh, really healthy. I think it's 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 okay to miss what we ha- have had and what we don't have right now. I've been whining about some things and mourning some <laughs> things as much as anybody else. So I yeah. I don't mean to be overly sanctimonious here, but back to your question, you know, what's the what's the way forward? What's the the step forward that that God has been preparing us for, and then is is inviting us uh, to take? It may take a little distance before we can can figure that out. But as but as I say, it's important for us in our prayer and in our reflections and planning to, to not think that, that it's been a wasted year or, or just, you know, totally a pain in the neck. Uh, maybe it's been a burden and stressful and uh, a challenge. Certainly it's been more than that for some who've been directly affected by the virus, by death in, the, in their family, by unemployment, by isolation, by all the other things that have, that have come with it. So we don't wish for those things to continue and don't wish them on anybody else. Uh, we don't have to pretend like they're good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, but in time, uh, Jesus is offering us uh, the means to grow as persons, uh, the means to grow as a community of, of persons in him, uh, the, the means to, to continue to understand how to, how to serve him better mm-hmm. uh, in our brothers and sisters, how better to, to take care of ourselves. So I'm hoping that, it, that we've been learning some of those things and um, that we'll be able to re- reflect on those. And then kind of fortified by this experience to say, well, okay, now what? Maybe we can approach the future with less fear, maybe with more um, generous hearts, uh, maybe with, a, with more attention paid to the needs of our brothers and sisters. This, it was a terrible problem before the pandemic, isolation, particularly for older people, mm-hmm. but not just for, for those who are older, um, for the homeless, for those who are struggling to find employment, those things in themselves are isolating. The incarcerated, uh, people in hospitals and nursing homes, you know, who we, who haven't been able to have visitors uh, so so regularly, and so when those opportunities open up again, will uh, will will we see them as opportunities and and responsibilities really on the part of all of us that that no one in our families, but in our parishes, in our neighborhoods, our communities be, be suffering isolation. Mm. It, it, it's, a, it's a terrible result of, of original sin and of, of, of human sinfulness. And it's not God's plan. Again, Jesus comes to us with the mission of communion, restoring uh, our broken relationship with God and our relations with, with each other. Your usual uh, travel schedule has been somewhat curtailed, although you're, you're still getting into to you know, celebrate liturgies and, and such in, in uh, various various places and ways. Um, do you hear people beginning to make that step? Do, do you see that happening where people are saying, I really realize, I mean, as I've heard some of this in, in passing in and in conversation, I know it's been happening myself. It's, oh, I realize it's it's showing me more, this these situations, this year, um, how habitual my self-reliance is right saying like i oh, i'm, I'm going to be self-sufficient 
Like that's my, as you talk about getting back to normal, I think in, in a way that's, that's the default mode. It's like, well, if, if this problem would just go away, if life would just be problem free, I could just do my thing and be okay. And then think, oh yeah, Jesus somewhere. Ooh, right. <laughs> He's, uh, is, is the Lord a factor in my, you know, is he just one option among many? Uh, or is he kind of useful sometimes? Or do I rely upon him? And do we start from there that he's actually come to save me? I think, anyway, sorry, that, that I think that's the, the challenge of, uh, and opportunity. Perhaps. Yeah, it's our challenge individually. It's our challenge as a church. Because mm -hmm. part of what we're going to be thinking about, each of us, but but as uh, parish communities, is the invitation to, to come back to Mass and the sacraments on a regular basis if we haven't been able to do that mm -hmm. uh, for good reasons, uh, uh, perhaps. But why would we come back? You know, and, and what's the what's the value we yeah. want to offer our fellow parishioners, our brothers and sisters? Not simply in terms of a nice experience, which we hope it is, but um, but what's the what's the real invitation? What's the what's there? What really who do we find in the sacraments and in our life together in, in a parish community that we can't find someplace else? Uh, and that really is the antidote for that um, sort of the cultural push to um, self-reliance and autonomy, mm -hmm. uh, which are really not gospel values. And, and they only take us so far. And they take some of us so far. And, and some of us find we, you know, we can't, uh, can't be self-sufficient. I mean, no mm -hmm. one can really. But some are blessed with different gifts and material resources or different social networks or whatever that make it seem like that path, you know, will, will work for us. But there, as, as I said uh, just a, a few minutes ago, you know, there are those among us who are, who really struggle through mm -hmm. no fault of their own, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe because of decisions they've made that can't be unmade and, and uh, they live with the consequences of it, but they're still our brothers and sisters. And, and, you know, to, uh, say to those around us who, who may be struggling, well, you just pull up your socks and take care of yourself. You know, that, that's just not, again, that's not a gospel approach. And, and it doesn't, doesn't build up the human family, doesn't build up the, the common good. Hmm. So, so we've had time to, to reflect. Again, uh, families have talked about the um, experience of spending more time together and seeing the value of that, the challenge of it mm -hmm. also, of course. But then we've also missed people. You know, uh, younger people haven't been able to see their grandparents, or they have to visit them through a window, or, or with um, uh, Zoom or FaceTime or, or something. Which, thank God, we have those things. But it's not it's not the same thing as being together, getting a hug, right. uh, you know, sharing a meal, sharing a home, to uh, maybe. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping that uh, having had this experience, that those human relations, people that we that were that we're missing, uh, that we'll be drawn to do something about about those relationships, to, to nurture them and to, to tend them. Yeah. It seems that there's a, maybe a particular urgency in a way this year for uh, us to pay attention to, as we're talking about at the beginning, what's offered us in the celebration of you know, this liturgical season, Advent. This can be uh, it should be. It's offered to us every single year to be illuminating of of our need. You know, we we say, "O come, O come, Emmanuel! O come, God with us." Yes, it's historical. It's something we've had passed down to us, but 
it's expressing the same the same need that we're detecting ourselves in the, in this time. I think that's a kind of um, that's not easy for for me. It's easy for us to miss. I think sometimes, and then the the message of Christmas, or not the message of Christmas, but rather the celebration of Christmas. Then, given the darkness and confusion, um, could and should be, I think, uh, all the more comforting. I would hope. I hope it's a, a it's a time for people to to take a breath, and even if they can't be with everybody, you know, even if it's kind of more quiet than they would like. But um, what do you what do you think particularly as as you you know as we're sending this out to people shortly before Christmas. Uh, what do you think would be most helpful um, for the faithful, say we can think families or people who are isolated, either, either one, um, so that they don't miss the, the opportunity of this moment now, you know, this celebration now? Yeah, think of the brokenness. Think of part of your life that's dark. Uh, think of what we're missing, particularly in terms of relationships or warmth. And then ask, uh, would that be a great place for a savior? Would we like some divine intervention in that uh, spot that we don't seem to be able to fix ourselves where we're really not so self-sufficient? Um, maybe it's, it's brokenness we're experiencing that's just beyond us, the pandemic. Uh, you, you or I didn't cause that. Um, or maybe it's something I've caused myself, you know, um, through my own selfishness or self-indulgence or blockheadedness. Um, well, that's exactly where the Lord wants wants to come. We, I, I, I would challenge us all to really make this Christmas very personal, not personal in the sense of you know making sure everybody knows materially what I want. You know what's on my on my Christmas <laughs> list, but to know that Jesus wants to to give me something, he, he wants to give you something, he wants to give us the gift of Himself. But His coming really means mercy and and, and healing for us uh, on a very deep and and personal level. And then on a communal level uh, as well, they're they're always related in, in in God's plan. When our heavenly Father looks on us in our weakness, in our lowliness, in our brokenness, He loves us, and, and He doesn't send us punishment, and He doesn't turn His back on us, but He gives us the gift of of, of His Son. And in a sense, we're only able to take advantage of the gift. We're only able to open it. If we want to use the kind of the Christmas um, image. If, if we're sinners, and, and and if we understand that about ourselves, not in a morose way, um, you know, not uh, just beating up on, on ourselves, but it's just it's just true. It's true about me. It might be true about you too, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. And um, and so that's exactly where the Lord wants to come. Uh, the part of us that's ailing, that's that's broken, and we've I think felt those. Felt that brokenness, felt those stresses, if you want to call it that, this year in a particular way. So maybe the gift of this year is, is that we see that we're not so self-sufficient, uh, that we see that life is limited in this world, uh, that our own, um, that everything that we tend to count on day by day can, can be taken away or limited or kind of tied up in a knot and we're not able to access it. So um, it's not a great feeling to, to feel this human limitation, particularly because it's the result of of original sin and, and and human sin, so there's a messiness, a bad, really bad feeling about it. So, so we do need a savior, and he wants to to come to be with us. I think to to um, recognize and experience that desire, that want, that need, that need for a savior, and then let him let him come in, not as a prize for being good or having it all figured out, 
but as as the antidote <laughs> for our for what what's really the most serious human illness we we might say the 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 brokenness and the alienation of sin. Beautiful, thank you, Archbishop. I uh, that's what I I need to hear this <laughs> uh, this time of year, lest I miss the opportunity. So I thank you for that that um, that help uh, that we not you know skip over any of it, but particularly. Uh, the need that is revealed um, and because it's an act of trust to say, to offer it to Jesus and say, will you do something with this need? And and then to see what he does because this is the wager. And you've said this time and again, so I'm just remind the audience, Archbishop has continued to, to lay this wager on the table and <laughs> say, you know, test this. See if in your own life you, you see the Lord respond to your offering up of your need. I dare say that's the announcement we we get to carry out then, you know, as Christians, as we've been talking about moving into a, more of a mission-oriented stance in our parishes and elsewhere. That's the thing to, to witness to. It's not complicated. It's your experience, you know, what you've told us about what you've discovered in following Christ and and seeing him respond to, to your need. But yeah, thank you, Archbishop, for this time. And uh, please remind me, do, do blessings carry through on recordings or only on a live <laughs> <laughs> I always forget. I'm sorry. I don't know if they. Well, I think we'll find that out in the next world. I mean, right? Okay. Well, I mean, if they're, it, you know, is it the done thing to, to put it on the recording, or whatever? But I think if you would, if you would, if you could close this in a, a brief prayer, I think this this would be perfect for the this time of year. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this beautiful time of grace and this year of grace, this unusual year. Uh, we know that it is a gift to us in the church that. We are not only able to recall the coming of your son at Bethlehem at Christmas, but we are able to meet him right here and now. He communicates himself to us very personally through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life together, uh, in our faith. Uh, sustain us in, in, in that faith and help us to welcome your son at his coming. Give us then generous hearts so that we might share the light and joy of his coming, the hope of his presence with our brothers and sisters. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you all, be with you this holy season and throughout the coming year. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Archbishop. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Merry Christmas to you too. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice, a podcast of the Archdiocese of Omaha. For more information, visit archomaha.org slash podcast.